not going Stay not safe Before you cross me, look both ways Leaving the scene with no trace Not in my lead, you out of place I'm not at the top, I'm out of space Can't eat with us, we're out of place I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great You're not my fan, you can't relate Straight talk going, state to state What's going on, guys? It's your host, your boy, George McKay, back in studio again today with another amazing conversation. You've seen this man all over AEW Dark at a steady pace, and I'm thankful that he took the time out today to sit down with me to talk about my favorite subject, wrestling. So please, without further ado, let me welcome John Schuyler to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, George. I'm looking forward to sitting down and uh, talking to you about uh, all things like wrestling that you said you enjoy. That's right. Well, wrestling, you, your career, everything. And uh, one of the first things I want to talk about is uh, like what we talked about before I push record. Uh, I followed you since 2015. I saw you in a tag match against my one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I am a tag team guy. So they're Dash and Dawson in uh, NXT. But here in AEW, they're Cash and Wheeler. And they are FTR. They are one of my all-time favorite tag teams. I love the old school feel to it. I love how they just, it's literally boots to faces, nothing flashy. Uh, how was it being in the ring with those two guys? Because I've heard from other people that I've interviewed, when they hit you, you feel it for days after. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes them so unique is they just have such a mean and nasty and rugged style of wrestling. And, um, you know, I've known both those guys uh, since, you know, the beginning of my career. You know, I traveled the world with Cash and uh, wrestled Dax a number of times before he moved on to WWE and uh, then later AEW but it was always it, whether it was tags or singles those two are two of the best in the world hands down um, so having that opportunity to, to do it on a on a main stage like WWE NXT was was uh, was interesting and fun and uh, it's kind of funny the guys from the Carolinas seem to always be the best wrestlers it's kind of weird how that works well it's because they know how to fight and they know how to handle themselves. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've seen uh, both of them in many a fights before, both inside and outside of the ring. So, uh, yeah, I, the things that they're doing now in AEW are just uh, incredible because you can see a team that's really in the prime of their career and their best days, I think, are still ahead of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with several of the other tag teams uh, in AEW. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so if I've done my research correct, and I hope I have, but the internet's never always factual. Uh, you had your debut in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right on that? My pro wrestling debut? Yes. It was actually in 2008. Uh, see, see, the, the internet are... failed us. The internet failed us again. <laughs> it did. It did. It failed us again. So 2008. So that is literally spanning a 13 year career. Yeah, this, uh, this July, July 6th, it'll be 2008 uh oh i'm sorry 13 years since i've had my first match uh and you know i started training back in april of 2008 so from april to july not a lot of time because i kind of picked up on everything pretty quickly absolutely and you handled yourself in the ring and like i said you've been a steady pace on aew we're definitely going to talk about that it's probably going to monopolize the majority of the conversation but i do want to talk about a match that's near and dear to my heart so i discovered you in 2015 but one of my favorite matches is for PWX. It was the unsanctioned match between you and Corey Hollis. Uh, you did everything. You literally used everything. Uh, you ripped up the ring. You used the board underneath the ring. And as I said before, very reminiscent of Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and all their battles. But you guys did it first. The ending of this match, unfortunately, did not work out for you. It took three men to hold you down while you were pinned. But still, 
one hell of a fight. Do you remember that match? Do you remember everything you guys designed and the storytelling of that match and what you went through, what you guys put your bodies through? Yeah, it was definitely brutal. Uh, that's one of the more uh, uh, bloodier affairs of my career. Uh, I remember feeling very, very woozy afterwards, and I think it was because of all the blood that I lost. Uh, but if fans want to check that out, they're on, it's on YouTube. You can find it pretty yeah. easily if you go to the PWX Wrestling uh, YouTube channel. But, um, yeah, it was a story that really had so many ebbs and flows to it because there was a lot of truth that kind of blurred the lines a little bit so people could kind of sink their teeth into the story. Um, you know, we were a tag team and uh, there was a while where we were doing a lot of things together on a national stage as a tag team. And uh, for whatever reason, it didn't materialize. And at every situation, when it comes to a tag team, it seems like there's always a breakup. And uh, we had a, a little bit of uh, influence for that was from the Brett Owen storyline from 94, because you had this bitter younger brother and Owen, in this case, played by Corey was very jealous of his uh, older counterpart or Brett and Brett just refused to fight him because he wasn't going to fight his own flesh and blood. And that's kind of where the story began with us as Corey was trying to get me to fight. And uh, at first in classic babyface fashion, I uh, refused to fight him until I just couldn't take anymore. And then, you know, it's a, it's a story and a feud or a rivalry that spanned over two years and we only had three matches together. So it's kind of crazy to get that kind of longevity and get so much out of so little. Um, but I, it means a lot to me that that street fight is so fondly uh, remembered because it was definitely something that we put a lot of thought and effort into. And um, it's kind of funny because there are a lot of parallels too with our story and Johnny Gargano and, and Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, you know, I was even kind of throwing my hat a little bit at the floor when I saw their, uh, their street fight. So um, it's just kind of funny how things ha happen that way. I, We'll, we'll say for now it was a coincidence because I've wrestled Johnny and Tommaso both in their uh, world-class talents as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, your career, like I said, 13 years, it spans so much and uh, you've done so much. And uh, where a lot of people could see you now on a real regular basis is AEW Dark. You've had some incredible matches. I mean, I got the list here, some of my highlight ones. Um, you and Ray Jazz versus the Gun Club. Then you versus Billy Gunn by himself. Uh, you versus Jurassic Express with Baron Black. Uh, you versus Brian Cage. You versus the Dark Order. You versus Lance Archer. You versus John Silver. Like, you've literally fought all of the top guys in AEW, and you've done it on Dark. Now, majority of those, unfortunately did not go your way again, but how cool is it to have that, I guess, platform where you can mesh with the main roster talent and still be showcased on a national stage to get your name and your brand out there? Because that's one thing that AEW does very different is that they are promoting the little guy. What's your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? Um, first of all, uh, let me backtrack a little bit and say that I wrestled a number of the AEW talents before AEW was even a thing. Mm -hmm. And that goes all the way back to guys like Cody, who I wrestled on the, on the independence of PWX. And, uh, I mean, hangman page, uh, you know, there's so many of these guys, Matt Hardy, um, you know, the list could go on and on and on all for all the way from the top to the bottom in terms of guys that I've competed against, uh, before they ever got to AEW. Um, so I'm very well familiar. I'm very familiar with a lot of the roster already. Um, but getting it 
getting the opportunity to do it on AEW Dark has been really a blessing for me because the first time I got the call was at the very beginning of the pandemic when the independent scene kind of had shut down. I had a, a couple of other opportunities that were put on hold because of the pandemic and uh, you know, in the real world, um, you know, at the time I was a part-time teacher and there was no need for part-time teachers at the beginning of the pandemic because everybody was switching to virtual classrooms. So um, point blank, I was kind of out of work or at least for the time being, there was no real future in sight, which was a very scary thing until I got a call from AEW. And um, it's a call that I'll always um appreciate because it can't, couldn't have come at a better time for me in my in my life and now getting the chance to at least appear if not on a weekly basis on a bi-weekly basis on AEW uh mostly on dark we've done a couple things on dynamite too uh and hopefully there'll be more chances to do things on dynamite and also elevation now um because there's a lot of guys I still want to work with and wrestle uh and have some time with as well um so it's just been uh, it's been a wild ride, and it's uh, it's awesome to uh, now be kind of associated. You know, my name's kind of associated with the AEW Dark Show, and vice versa. So it's kind of a cool feeling for fans to draw that connection. I one hundred percent agree with everything that you said. And again, it, it's hard when the pandemic for a lot of people. Like I was blessed enough to keep my full time job. I'm a truck dispatcher by by day, so I got to keep the wheels moving. I got to keep the food going on the family's tables, and and that was a big uh, big thing uh, for me was be able to keep and provide for my, for my family. But when the future's uncertain and you get that phone call, how does that resonate? I mean, you you, you did state that it was something that you'll you'll hold near and dear. But when you got that phone call and it's like, hey, listen, John, you know, we, this is what we got. And what was running through your mind? You must have had 50,000 different emotions all at once. Yeah, it was uh, it definitely caught me off guard because it came so quickly. And it was literally it all happened. Bing, 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 bing. Uh, hey, can you be at TV this Wednesday? Uh, and I'm, sure. Uh, <laughs> and you never you, there's always that sense of excitement and uh a little bit of nervous energy because you always want to find out before what you're doing and you never know. A lot of the times we don't know anyways. Um, but it was just a, a, a new journey and that with the new journey always comes, you know, a lot of excitement. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, I was wondering who, who am I going to wrestle? Is it going to be Pac? Is it going to be Ray Phoenix? Is it going to be Pentagon? You know, who, who could it be? And, uh, you know, so it was it was very cool. And then to get there that first time, knowing that I'm only guaranteed one opportunity, that's all that was promised was this one chance. Uh, and I competed in a tag match against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss, and it went so well that as soon as I walked to the back, they booked me for the next week. So and that was when I wrestled Billy Gunn mm -hmm. was that following week. So, um, yeah, it's just been crazy. And to have a lot of the coaches there now like Dustin Rhodes and Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson and Jerry Lynn um, speak so highly of me because I grew up watching all these guys and Arn especially has always been a big hero of mine and one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. He's uh, the first wrestler I ever saw live as a kid. Uh, he was in the very first match of the very first show that I ever went to. So uh, to have him kind of sing your praises now, that's a big step in the right direction for me. And it's sometimes I have to just pinch myself and make sure that this isn't all a dream. <laughs> I, we're all fans we're all fans at heart we're all fans first and foremost and all those names you mentioned I just got goosebumps if Art Anderson came up to me and said something like great job kid I would probably just be like I don't need to do another thing for the rest of my life 
Arn Anderson yeah. just said, great job to me. I'm going to go ahead and retire. This is the peak yeah. of the mountain. So would yeah. you say that that's your defining moment? You associating Arn Anderson with the first match, the first show you ever went to? Was that the reason you fell in love with wrestling? Or what's your defining moment in wrestling where you fell in love with this business? Well, there were a couple uh, of moments as a kid. I remember, you know, having, well, I had one, I still have one older brother. And by association, I kind of liked everything that he liked just because I wanted to hang out with his friends when I was a kid and uh, probably really bugged and annoyed the piss out of him. But, um, you know, he he went through his wrestling phase. Then, of course, I went through my wrestling phase. He kind of grew out of it and I never really did. Uh, and I would definitely say that seeing Arn Anderson come out that first time at the first show, uh, December the 30th, 1993, Columbia, South Carolina, Township Auditorium. Uh uh seeing him come out to wrestle shanghai pierce on a wcw show uh every i remember vividly about you know every little detail about him walking to the ring where the spotlight hit him at right you know just the right angle and you know he did that thing where he covers his you know shields his eyes and kind of looks over the building and the place just kept getting louder and louder and louder and you know that's something that obviously sticks with me even to this day and had a lasting impression on me um in terms of wanting to become a wrestler, I think the thing that really turned me on in terms of, okay, this is the goal that I want to pursue was the Ironman match between Brett and Sean from WrestleMania 12. And obviously the match is fantastic. A lot of people on the uh, internet uh, might say that it might be a little bit, you know, overrated, but again, we already know the internet can be wrong sometimes. So uh, it's just a fantastic match, but really the thing that I, I take away from it was the buildup and the training montages and the training videos from, from Brett and Sean. Cause it was, you know, in my generation, anyways, it was the first time you were seeing, you know, two good guys fight for a title at WrestleMania. I think before that it was probably warrior and Hogan, but you know, I was still a little too young to remember that. So uh, for my generation, it was kind of Brett and Sean and that rivalry and it kicking off there at WrestleMania was kind of the thing where I said, you know what, I think I'm going to be a wrestler when I grow up. I think that's a great moment. I think that's a great match. And you're right. The internet, I love the internet. It's filled with uh, keyboard warriors. Mm -hmm. Everyone that's got an opinion can go ahead and type out that opinion. And, and as a podcaster myself, I get it all the time. I get people cracking on the style, the way I, I approach my interviews. And, and that's one thing I always correct everybody is I don't do interviews. I have conversations and uh, conversations are things you remember. Two years from now, I'll sit down and I may message you out of the blue and you may be, you know, one of the big top guys in, in AEW. And I'll be like, hey, John, we sat down two years ago. Not sure if you remember me. And I'm hoping you will. And that's the that's the impression that I want to leave is just having those great conversations and those great moments. And that that's a great moment. And yes, you're right. The Internet's full of shit and keyboard oh. warriors are uh, a dime a dozen. But what do you think about now in this particular time period of wrestling? And this is always great to get a wrestler's perspective, somebody in the business. Um, the Forbidden Door, as it's been called, has been busted wide open. Actually, it's been bulldozed, knocked down, thrown a bazooka at it, and a grenade's been dropped over it too. There's literally just an excitement brewing in wrestling. Wrestling is so pop culture right now, just like it was in the Attitude Era, but we're getting all these dream matches. We're getting companies working together companies bringing talent over to different shows we've seen aw talent on impact we've seen impact talent face new japan we've seen new japan talent on aw like it's all over the place and it seems like these three companies are doing it fantastically well right now but a lot of people forget that roh and new japan have always had that working relationship and if it wasn't for roh backing up all in there really wouldn't be any aw 
And I think people seem to forget that. And it was Nick Aldis that reminded me of that when I sat down with him. So what's your thoughts on that, that everyone's all excited about this forbidden door, but it has been done before? Um, I think anytime you see two companies work together and cross promote, it's going to bring excitement and uh, unpredictability to our sport. And anytime it happens, as long as it's done for the right reasons, I think it's always a positive for for professional wrestling because there is an excitement that comes along with it. It's it's very reminiscent for me uh, for as like the Monday Night Wars. Uh, Now you have a feeling of, well, who's going to show up on Impact this week? Or who's going to show up on AEW? Like a few weeks ago, Kenta just popped up on AEW randomly from New Japan. You know, you, you don't really know who might show up on a given show when. You know, Finn, Finn Juice, uh, Finley and, and Juice Robinson, they're, they've been making appearances on Impact Wrestling now. So um, it's just, yeah, it's exciting. It's a very exciting time. Um, yes, it's been done before. Sometimes it's been done at a success, and sometimes it's been a colossal failure in other cases. Um, you know, we can all sit back and say, what if, you know, and, uh, you know, remember when, but, you know, I think right now it's being done, as you said, just about as good as it's ever been done before. And, you know, there's for a guy like me who doesn't have his name on paper with a guarantee anywhere yet as a still classified as a free agent, uh, it provides somebody like me who's been waiting 13 years to get a break uh, it provides me and guys like me and girls like me with options and um, to know that you can go to a, a place on Wednesday night and then show up next Tuesday on another wrestling show and not get heat for it. Um, it's pretty cool knowing that there's that kind of open door that's been kind of busted down our invisible door or whatever the term is for it now, um, because I have you know, worked for Ring of Honor. I've worked for Impact Wrestling. Uh, I've worked for Ring of uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Uh, you know, I, I've done, you know, I've, I've worked for pretty much every company on some, you know, part-time basis now, uh, you know, in over the last 13 years. So uh, it's just good to have options. Absolutely. And I think your answer was, was spot on and I, and I appreciate the honesty. And that's what I love about these conversations uh, that I do get to have on, on such a regular basis. Now, when this drops, this is going to be dropping in May. You're going to be dropping right around my 200th episode, which is a big milestone for me. I didn't think when I started this four years ago, I did not think 200 episodes was ever possible, nor all the conversations that I've been able to have. So since it's dropping in May, is there any matches that you've got upcoming on darks that you may know about that we can list so that once this does drop in may it won't be a shocker or you're not spoiling anything john it is dropping in may i guarantee you 100 <laughs> percent uh so when this drops in may uh, i don't know what the landscape will look like um you know uh there are a few matches that have already been taped and put in the can but in terms of uh spoiling that or even teasing it i'd rather people just be pleasantly surprised Um, at some of the stuff that I have coming up because AEW is also really good about putting out every single match that you're going to see on dark and on elevation uh, and on dynamite. They're really good about promoting every single match that, uh, that, that comes across their, their television programs or on YouTube. So um, when the time is right, people will find out just where I'm going to be, what show I'm going to be on and who I'm going to be wrestling. But there's a lot of matches coming up that I'm very excited about. Um, you know, and there's still a lot of talent there and a lot of meat on the bone at AEW guys that I would love to just get in the ring and have a singles match with guys like jungle boy, guys like Pac, 
guys like Ray Phoenix. Um, you know, I, I like Ricky Starks. Uh, uh, Lee Johnson is somebody coming up now that I think has a bright future. I would love to have a match with him. There's uh, just so many, so many guys. Uh, and, and now Christian Cage. Um, you know, him and Chris Jericho both have always been guys that have been on my bucket list. And just to think that there's a, a slight chance that maybe one day I'll get to wrestle those two guys is uh, like mind blowing to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, Christian, especially, uh, you know, I think when people see a lot more of his stuff in AEW, they're going to just see exactly what he's still capable of doing and how many matches he still has left in the tank. And it's a lot. So, uh, there's a lot of excitement in the air right now. If you're a guy like me waiting for the opportunity to wrestle so many talented people on one roster. Again, I can't disagree with anything that you said. And you mentioned a couple Canadian boys and I'm from Toronto. So we, we do breed the best wrestlers. I'll put that on wax. Canada breeds champions. We do. We do. We can well, list them all. Carolina's Carolina's in Canada. They're neck and neck. That's right. 100%. I agree with you completely. Um, you've mentioned sometimes when you go to dark, you don't know who you're facing right off the hop. So how hard is it to, um, let's say you got one of the producers or bookers coming up to you and say, okay, John, you're going at jungle boy tonight. So go, you guys go, you dissect the match. How hard is it to really conduct that story or, or build that story when sometimes you may not know till a half an hour before you're supposed to walk out there and tape as to who you may be telling the story with? Well, that's the beautiful thing about, the roster there is everybody's so talented that it's not that hard at all. Um, now, some days it's a little bit harder than others, but you know, and yet you never know what curveball is going to be thrown your way. There's been matches that were supposed to go out on television that uh, got canned right before we were supposed to start taping just because of time constraints or one reason or another. Um, there's been matches that have been taped that never aired uh, for a variety of reasons. So there's a lot of curveballs that get thrown out there. Um, you know, and it's not always, believe it or not, there's not always a negative reason as to why something doesn't air. Sometimes matches are so good when they're taped for dark that they say, we're going to save this and air it on dynamite. We're going to, or we're going to redo it for dynamite because it was so good the first time. So when I say things don't air, it's not always a negative connotation to it. And I hope people realize that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that hard at all when you're in there with professionals and there's so many professionals at AEW and so many seasoned veterans um, that just it's a night off every time you go out there with some of these people uh, you know it's just incredible the level of skill and talent and depth to the roster of so many I mean I feel like I'm beating a dead horse but just so many so many talented professional wrestlers you're you're not beating a dead horse you're you're hitting the points that that need to be hit and one point that i think is interesting and again somebody that's on that kind of inside track this is a question that you may be able to answer with a little bit of truth to it and i and i know you'll be honest with it because that's what we are here straight talk we're straight up it is what it is and it's said how it's said um a lot of people are stating again those wonderful keyboard warriors that we talked about hi internet you all fucking have an opinion um everybody is uh ran their mouths when Big Show got signed, ran their mouths when Christian Cage got signed, ran the mouths when like AEW's bringing over all the old talent and everybody's saying, or some people are saying, not everybody. Some people are saying, oh, it's WCW 2.0. I actually disagree with that statement. I know why all these stars or all these legends are being brought over. Christian Cage has a lot left in the tank. So mm -hmm. I'm actually excited to see what he could do. I had a little mixed mixed re reaction when he came out. I was like, oh, it's great to see him back. But the way it was built, it, it, I don't know, it just made it seem a little bit more higher 
than Christian Cage. And that's not taking anything away from it. It just seemed that way. But uh, I could see why Big Show was brought in. He was brought in to work with a lot of the big guys to, to show a big man how to move around the ring. And I can understand why Tully's there because there's so many guys that are tag team oriented and putting him with the Sean Spears, putting him with uh, Cash and Wheeler. He's got so much knowledge. Arn Anderson, again, always being in Cody's corner, makes logical sense because there's knowledge there. Billy Gunn is a coach behind the scenes. So bringing in all these older guys that are kind of, their careers inside the ring are winding down, but they still have a wealth of knowledge to pass on. What's your thoughts on that? If some people saying it's WCW 2.0, but I actually know the real reason it's because there's so much knowledge that these guys can pass on and so many professionals and, and young up and comers in the, in AEW that why not have all these legends there for somebody to pick their brains when needed? Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% right. Uh, they're invaluable behind the scenes. When you look at guys like Jake Roberts and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and uh, you know, behind the scenes, yes, all these guys have something to offer because they're of their experience and their knowledge. And it would be foolish of somebody like me to not be there to pick their brains and and sit in on the classes that they have, uh, you know, before we ever start taping television and uh, just sessions like that, you know, that nowhere else in the world would offer uh, something like that. Um, but I think a lot of it also comes down to name recognition and name identity. I think, yes, Sting is in his 60s, but Sting's one of the biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling and made his career on the Turner Network. So when you have somebody like a Darby Allen that the old school fans that might have been holding out on watching wrestling again for a while might not know the name Darby Allen. If you put a Darby Allen with a guy that they do know in Sting, all of a sudden it helps elevate Darby Allen to another level. Darby's a fantastic wrestler. He's exciting to watch. He's somebody else that's on my list of, of people that I would love to wrestle. Uh, I can't believe I didn't mention that until now, but you know, I would love to have one match with Darby Allen at least. Um, I think putting him with the Sting has um, done wonders for his career, and now he's even perceived more so a main event talent than he already was. Uh, I think you know Taz has done wonders for a guy like Brian Cage because Taz has a strong promo. Um, I think Tully Blanchard, again, has provided name identity and name recognition to Sean Spears, to FTR. Um, you know, Arn Anderson, uh, you can associate, you can put him with now a Lee Johnson in the Nightmare family. And, you know, now Lee's going to get better and Lee's going to be elevated because he's with Arn Anderson. So there's so many things like that where, you know, it's not like they're wrestling matches every week. Uh, you know, if that was the case, then there might be an argument. But uh and even somebody like a Paul White is um, got some sort of name identity to him, and he's got value, uh, whether it's uh, behind the scenes, behind the commentary table, or maybe one day is a special attraction match. You know, Andre the Giant didn't wrestle every night. Uh, Andre the Giant didn't wrestle on every pay-per-view, but when Andre did, Andre the Giant wrestled, it was always special. So hopefully, if that's the case, you know. Paul White could be a huge attraction at some point for AEW. So I think there's a lot of good and. I think when people get so up in arms about it from Jump Street, they just kind of need to let it have time to see how it plays out. You know, you can't you can't see the forest through the trees sometimes. And I think some people are so quick at times to say, oh, this sucks. This is bad. And they haven't even given a, an entire episode to marinate or register. So uh, they've already just made up in their minds for some reason that it's going to be bad and terrible. Well, that's how we are as a society now, John. Everybody's oversensitive. Everybody has an opinion. Again, right before I, I, I've been opinionated sometimes I've watched, I've started watching movies, especially movies that I hate. My wife's forced me to watch like anything with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, 
So it's hard. And five minutes in, John, I already know that I don't want to be there anymore. I will yeah. get up. I will fly. I'll, I'll clean the kitchen. I'll do laundry other than sit down and watch a Jennifer Lopez movie. Okay, that's yeah. but society is over opinionated. But you're right. Sometimes marinating needs to happen. So maybe walk away from it. Go back and watch it another day. See if you can get 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into it, and then give it that time to marinate. But you mentioned something pretty cool. And again, this is something that I didn't know because I'm not in the know. The classes that they have beforehand, are they open to anybody that's at dark or at uh, evolution that night? Let's say uh, Alan Anderson's like, okay, guys, I'm going to have a one hour uh, uh, Q&A kind of in the back. Anybody that want to come by, come by. Is that kind of how it works? Or are they like scheduled on a bulletin board or something like that? For the most part, it's well known ahead of time. Uh, I think there's some of these sessions are mandatory for some of the talent, and then some of them are kind of on a volunteer basis. Uh, but you know, I know just a couple of weeks ago, Jake Roberts held a class, a Q and A, uh, before one of the shows on uh, in Jacksonville, and it was kind of like anybody that wanted to come sit in could. And I mean, again, I took advantage of that because why wouldn't I? You know, Jake Roberts is, his, uh, you know, after all the things that he's been through in his life, ups and downs, you know, he still has a huge uh, brain for this for this sport and so much knowledge up there that he's just itching to pass down. So anybody that wouldn't take that um, opportunity, I think, is, is a little bit silly, especially if it's just right there. It's not like you have to drive in your car four hours, and go pay money at an armory somewhere to get this information. No, you you have it right there for you uh at your place of work and it's free of charge so um yeah i i think any kind of opportunity like that uh, is always beneficial and anybody that doesn't take that opportunity would be stupid i can't disagree with anything you said john i think you and i are just on a complete wavelength where i'm going to agree with everything you say because your your knowledge base and your wisdom makes a lot of sense and that's not me kissing your ass that's me just being honest i mean we're 30 minutes into the conversation and there's nothing that you said that I can disagree with. Um, Sting being in his sixties. I'm a huge Sting guy. Sting is my guy. You can see the toy right up behind me there. That's my dude. Uh, since I was a little kid, him and triple H, that's why they're on the top shelf. <laughs> one and two, one and two. So um, in terms of a, a character like Sting, which is kind of like an undertaker character, a fiend character, a character that you shouldn't see all the time. Do you feel that that's kind of what they're doing? With Darby Allen, and again, I, the question may be off kilter, but I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that, because Darby Allen, much like Sting, perched up in the top of the arena, you know, when Sting came out, pointed the bat up, all that kind of stuff. Very reminiscent, mirroring one another. It's almost like Sting's kind of taken his little brother and said, okay, kid, I'm going to show you how to just be mysterious and how to cut a sick promo without saying a fucking word. Because that's the <laughs> one thing Sting was great at. He could walk out, point at something, and you could just be like, that's the best promo of the night. He didn't say a goddamn word. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's your yeah. thoughts on that? There's definitely some mystique that surrounds those two characters. And I think there always should be. I don't think you should see them every week. And I don't think they should wrestle every week. Um, but it's also a cool thing about AEW is it's almost like the show Boardwalk Empire. You kind of have your darker characters over here. And then your funnier characters like, you know, Orange Cassidy over here. And then you have, you know, your badass group and Team Taz over here. Uh, and, you know, everybody looks a little different. You got Jurassic Express. I mean, they look like the circus sideshow over here. Everybody looks so different from one another, but everybody also kind of fits their in, into place. And it becomes a unique television show with a unique wide variety uh, in terms of cast of characters. So um, I think as long as everybody kind of stays in their lane 
and continues to live and die by their what their their own characteristics and their own bubble then you can cross stream a little bit and you can have a jungle boy work with a darby allen or you can even have jungle boy and darby allen work team taz or you know uh the pinnacle now or something it's just kind of cool how that cast of characters has been built and everybody's uh, a little bit different you know and i think a lot of that you, tony khan and the creative team deserve a lot of credit for establishing these guys a couple months ago nobody in the wrestling world knew who will hobbs was uh and they saw something in him he got paired with team taz and now powerhouse hobbs is somebody that fans go okay this guy's got a bright future and he's uh becoming a household name just simply because they found the right fit for him and uh you know i think you're gonna see a lot of other guys that maybe not maybe somebody turning on AEW Dark Dynamite or Elevation for the first time, they might see a name and not know who they are. But I think over the next couple of months, you'll see that change and you're going to see a lot more guys become, you know, household names. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, one of the cool things I love about Dark and I love about Evolution is it gives the platform for the indie talent. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy Dark and Evolution way more than I do Dynamite. Because Dynamite, I know those characters. I want to see the new characters. I want to see the characters that are coming up. I want to see the next crop of talent. That's why in the WWE product, I have no bones about it. I'm more excited about the NXT brand than I am about the main roster stuff. Because I love seeing the younger talent. I've always been a fan of watching the younger talent blossom and grow and become main event players. I think younger talent needs the spotlight. And I think that's where AEW differentiates itself because it has so many different layers to the program. So I got to ask you, because you mentioned quite a few bucket list uh, matches, Chris Jericho, um, Christian Cage, Darby Allen, uh, Sting possibly if you can get a run or a go at that. So out of all the characters there first though, like if you got dragged, if you got brought into Tony Khan's office tomorrow and Tony Khan sat down with you and said, okay, John, listen, we're doing this thing where everybody gets one dream match. Who you got? Uh, do they have to be in AEW? Or are we talking across the board? Any let's, company anywhere? Let's do AEW and then let's go across the board wherever you want to go. Um, hmm. oh, that's tough. It's going to be so tough. Uh, you know, I would definitely say uh, up there is Chris Jericho because he's just had such an influence on my career. When I first broke into wrestling in 2008, not 2011 internet. Uh, <laughs> um uh chris was somebody i patted myself after i read his first book and it made me want to pursue training to be a wrestler um and the career that he's kind of had is the career i've always wanted to have somebody that got to travel the world and perfect his craft and finally make a lot of money and continue to kind of reinvent himself and have a long career all the way up into his 50s so that's kind of the career that i've always wanted and so i think it would be a shame if I didn't get to wrestle Chris Jericho at least once in my career. So that would probably be it for AEW. Um, in terms of other places, um, I, I think I think Randy Orton's been the best in the business for the last decade. So getting the chance to work with a Randy Orton would be amazing. Uh, AJ Styles is uh, everything that he says he is. Uh, and I think he's been maybe the number two if him and Randy were neck and neck for those years, uh, you know, and I'm sure at times AJ was number one and Randy was number two, but those I think are the two guys that have been the best in the business for a long time. Um, so those are guys that are definitely on the bucket list. Uh, 
yeah, man, there's, there's probably a lot. And I think, you know, I, I feel almost bad even li- leaving off Christian cage just because, you know, I think, uh, his match with Frankie Kazarian was, was fantastic. And, uh, I think uh, he's going to have a lot more matches like that in the tank at AEW. So I feel bad kind of even leaving him off the, uh, leaving him off the list. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I think those are great choices. And I think, um, I, I think the, the most exciting thing about you, John, and what I, what I've liked about you since I saw you in 2015 is that you remind me of the everyman, somebody who's going to go out there, handle what they need to handle, but first and foremost, tell a great story. And your career spans 13 years, not 10, 13. So out of all the matches you've had and out of all the amazing talent, like I said, I could search you up on YouTube and I could have went down a YouTube rabbit hole for six weeks. I would have had to reschedule this interview because I would have had to gone down that YouTube rabbit hole. But out of all the matches that you've had and all the amazing opponents that you faced, is there one that sticks out to you that you could say in your 13-year career as it stands right now, that is one of your strongest bodies of work? Hmm. So you're asking me all these tough questions. That's uh, what I do here, brother. Straight talk, man. We do it, we do it straight up. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I think one of the times everything really clicked for me was uh, a singles match that I had in PWX with Johnny Gargano. Um, you know, it was a cold match. There wasn't a lot of build up to it. Uh, and it was the first time we'd ever really even met each other. And I remember just thinking as we were out there, like, you know, for the first time, somebody of his uh caliber of athlete me thinking okay I've, i'm i'm good at this because i was there you know hold for hold move for move and we ended up having one of the stronger reactions that i've ever heard in my career from a match so that's one that's always going to stand out to me for sure that's a great answer and you know what that's actually one that i saw a couple highlights i couldn't find the whole match but i have to keep looking down that youtube rabbit hole but i will find it i will it's find there. it but I did, I did find some highlights of it, and that was one that I, uh, I appreciate. Not as much as the unsanctioned match, because like I said, the story that I thought you told was incredible. And that actually probes another question. You could tell a great match technically. You could tell a great story technically. You can go hold for hold, move for move, mirror each other. When you add weapons and stuff to the, to the match, it obviously adds another element or another layer. There are some people who would suggest that those matches take away from the old age or the old school way of storytelling what are your thoughts on that do you think no matter what as long as the story's good it shouldn't matter the elements surrounding the environment that's what i think what's your thoughts yeah you're you're 100 right uh i think uh you know obviously it takes away if you do those kind of matches every night with no with no build up or anything like that but i think when the story's there and that was a big key of what you just said when the story's there uh 100 you could fit it, it, it could fit and it's it's an added element to the story i think it's some stories that are especially personal rivalries that have been uh boiling over the course of several months or maybe even several years i think sometimes it's a necessity to take it to another level and sometimes that's what you need to tell that proper story but uh in terms of just doing blood and guts for the sake of doing blood and guts on a nightly basis i think at that point it just kind of becomes like um a pornography in a way it's just something that's just there and there's no meaning to it or anything people are just almost watching it to get some sort of weird fix (laughs) (laughs) you would you would 100 percent be right matt yes that definitely is a uh uh a subject that some people may enjoy and if you do that's your thing and that's your thing 
Me, on the other hand, I just like a great story. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of, of when the elements all click and the moving parts all, all fixate and all go. Do you feel like um, some of your dark matches, given the opportunity to have another second go at some of those people that you could tell a better story creative, create, creatively? Do you think you could tell a better story? Like the match with Lance Archer. I mean, let's be honest. He's a monster. They brought him out just to squash everybody. But I feel like you could actually go toe-to-toe with the Lance Archer. I don't know if you have. You might have. But I feel like you could actually go toe-to-toe with Lance Archer and tell a story. Do you feel like, I mean, I get it. Dark is sometimes a way to build a storyline for Dynamite or build a storyline to build up a character. But given the mm-hmm. opportunity to be more creative on Dark, if you had the chance, is there somebody you'd like to go at a second turn with? Say, I can do this match better. Or I can tell a better story with this person. Yeah, and Lance is somebody that I have wrestled before. I wrestled him in uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling here in the States on an American tour. And uh, you're right, we definitely could, if given some time, um, you know, tell a, a longer story and a, and a more concise story uh, uh, with more, you know, meat on the bone, more depth to it. But um, in terms of having a second go around at anybody, uh, there's there's a couple. I would like to have a singles match with Jungle Boy, especially after the match that he had with Dax on dynamite i thought they had a fantastic job and i think um you know the jungle boy has one of the brightest futures in all of aew so having one singles with him would be great um just a couple weeks ago i wrestled john silver for the first time and john's somebody that i've crossed paths with um numerous times on the independence and we never had a match together until you know aew dark and i thought you know that in terms of all the dark matches that i've had i think that that one probably ranks up there as number one for me in terms of showing the world what I can do, especially, um, and showing them my my talents. And I would like to have more matches like that. Um, But if I had to pick one, I would definitely say Jungle Boy, because I definitely think he's got a huge future. And uh, is I think even somebody like me that's been around 13 years would only get better wrestling somebody like him. I agree with the Jungle Boy statement. I 100% agree with the John Silver match. That one was one of the ones that really entertained me. And I thought the story that was told was great. you are a free agent, so you're not really tied down anywhere. Obviously, you've built a reputation in AEW, and your brand is growing. But there's there's a, a promotion that I think you'd fit in well just based on the talent that they have. And I think, given the opportunity, you would thrive in an NWA. I feel like you have the ability to bring the new school and the old school together. And there are some cats in NWA Again, I don't know if you've faced, but Slice Boogie, he's one of my favorites right now. I think you two could tear the house down. I would love to see you go at Murdoch, Chris Adonis. Like, there is so much town over there that I think you would flourish in an NWA environment. So I guess that probes the question. Being a free agent, you're not tied down anywhere. And the forbidden door has been kicked wide open. But if an opportunity came to showcase your talents at a place where you could permanently showcase your talents, Obviously, I think I know the answer, but you would take that opportunity 150%. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, more than impressed with the things that NWA is doing right now, especially the unique feel that NWA Power has. Um, I definitely think I could flourish there. Obviously, growing up in the Carolinas, uh, you know, that's a huge NWA territory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the NWA territory mm-hmm. um, in terms of the Mid-Atlantic. So it would be kind of cool to do something there. Uh, you know, I've wrestled for Billy Corgan before when he ran resistance pro out of Chicago and me and Billy have always had a pretty good relationship. 
and he's got a unique mind for this business because he has and provides a different perspective. You know, he's coming from the world of rock and roll where, you know, they also create a different kind of art. And so he's got that creative mind where he comes up with some wacky ideas and, you know, it's just a unique, different perspective on everything. And Billy grew up a huge wrestling fan. So it doesn't shock me at all that he's doing so well running the NWA. Um, and there's a ton of great guys there, like you said, um, with, uh, you know, Murdoch and so many others. Um, you know, there's uh, guys that I've already wrestled that are there. There's guys that I would love to work if I got the chance to uh, just one time. So it's not a far shot at all. Or, uh, you know, it's, it's not too much of a long shot, I would say, for me to do something there if given the opportunity. Absolutely. John, what can I say? This conversation has been killer. I knew it would be. Uh, I want to thank you for the time today. And before you go, please uh, shout out your socials. But before you do that, look in the camera, give me that John Schuyler intensity and let them know who they're watching and who they're listening to. And also, if you want to congratulate me on my upcoming 200 episode, that'd be cool too. So uh, first of all, congratulations, George, on 200 wonderful episodes of, uh, of straight talk. Uh, if people are watching this and they haven't watched the 199 that preceded it uh, or episode 200, 201, 202, 5002, they need to be watching straight talk with you, George, because you're the man. You have an awesome chain. You have an awesome hat on and you have an awesome action figure collection. So people should be watching you all the time. Much love, John. I appreciate that, brother. I really, really do. Now let the world know where they can find you and follow you and your journey as you reach for the stars. Uh, yeah, people can find me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at the John Schuyler, it's S-K-Y-L-E-R, and uh, I have a YouTube channel where people can see old matches, promos, uh, you know, uh, anything that there is to see of me in my career prior, um, and, you know, Pro Wrestling Tees, I got a store on there, uh, all over social media, people can find me, and, uh, you know, I'm always easily acceptable, or uh, accessible, excuse me, if people want to uh, reach out and buy merchandise, uh, you know, I might be one of the more fan-friendly wrestlers in terms of communicating with fans. So people can reach out to me directly on any of those platforms if they want to buy any sweet merch or memorabilia or anything like that. Absolutely. And take my word for it, guys. He's really awesome to hit up by Instagram. I hit him on the DMs on Instagram. He got back to me right away. And now we're sitting down. We're having a conversation. John, it's great to know you. It's great to watch your career and the 13 years that you've had and what's upcoming in the future for sure. And uh, now I could say that uh, not only did I have you as a former guest, but I consider you a friend. And if there's ever a part two down the line, you're now officially a member of the Straight Talk Wrestling family. Anytime you want to come back, by all means, please, I'd love to do it again because I think you are an awesome talent and I can't wait to see how bright your star shines. Thank you for having me, George, and there will definitely be a part two. Fantastic. All right, guys, that's it for this one. I'm your host, your boy, George McKay. Don't forget to follow the socials to find out who next week's guest is. And this one was great. Again, I want to thank today's guest, John Schuyler coming on straight talk i appreciate you peace love and wrestling we'll see everybody next week thank you so much for listening don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on podbean also check us out on youtube at straight talk wrestling on instagram at straight talk wrestling on facebook at straight talk wrestling and on twitter at underscore straight talk and if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch check us out on prowrestlingtees.com Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm out of space. Any with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going state to state.